Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. How were people saved before the law? By faith. That's how Abraham was saved. How were people saved during the law? Like David was, by faith. How are we saved today? By faith. Because God's plan of faith and grace has never, ever changed. Want to find out more about it? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I began a series yesterday on that grace has always been God's plan. It's always been the way that God has met man's needs. God has never changed. Somehow, if you talk to people about the Old Testament and say, well, you know, God was different back there. No, you saw a different side of God. And in the New Testament, you see grace, another side of God, but doesn't mean that God is not a God of grace. He always has been. But, you know, depending on the time period and the law was given, you'll see more of the wrath of God produced in the Old Testament because the law really amplifies man's sin and amplifies man's transgression, amplifies really man's nature without Jesus Christ. And so, again, the law was never designed to save. Let me go back and just quickly refresh you on that. How could not the law be the plan of salvation? First of all, God gave it to the smallest nation on the earth. The law was given to the nation of Israel. And again, not very many people in that nation. Next of all, he didn't give it to any other nation. So if it was his plan for salvation, you can't have a plan of salvation for Israel and then a different one for plan of salvation for the rest of the world. It has to be the same. And since salvation in the Old Testament came to them by looking forward to the cross, just like on us, it comes by looking back on the work of the cross. I like to think of it this way. When Jesus hung on the cross, his hands were in two different directions, one toward the old covenant, one toward the new, one toward the old time all the way back to Adam, and this one all the way until the time of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. So literally that encompassed all mankind for all times, all sin, all nations. And so in fact, it was told in Abraham, and you shall all nations be blessed. And he was 430 years before the law ever came. So the beauty of it is, is that when we today look at the word of God and see the grace of God, it's the same grace that showed up in the Old Testament. But if you reject grace, you fall back on your own abilities. You fall back on your own life. You fall back on your own viewpoints, which is basically the law. The law is trying to get saved some other way. So they simply ask God when at the base of the mountain, yes, we want to keep your commandments. Just tell us what they are. And as I said yesterday, you know, well, God gave them 10, they couldn't keep that. So when the rest of them came, they were just, you know, completely underwater. So the law was uh, given and again, but the purpose of the law was twofold. Number one, the law was divided into two sections, the law and the sacrifices. The law was the commandments, you know, the ordinances, the feast days, fast days, all the circumcision laws, all the different things that man had to keep, and uh, the Sabbath days, all those things, that was part of the law. But then on the other side, you have the sacrifices, and it simply is the preaching of the gospel. I'm going to say that again. The law represents the preaching of the gospel. There's two aspects that a person needs to see to receive Jesus as Savior. Number one, I'm a sinner. The law pointed that out because you couldn't keep the, the law. The law simply amplified in you, you are a transgressor, born a transgressor, born under Adam's seed, cannot save yourself. And if God displays these laws to you, which is simply saying, you can keep these, you can come up here. No one can keep them. Only Jesus could keep them. 
So God gave those. But since man would break the law continually, he needed something to forgive him. And this is what we have in the commandments today in that when we go out and win the loss, we simply say again, you cannot save yourself. You are a sinner, but you need a savior. So the law itself amplified us and amplified our sins and amplified our shortcomings, our transgression, and the fact we cannot keep God's law. But on the other hand, we have the sacrifices, which is a type of Jesus Christ. Every single sacrifice pointed Jesus Christ all the way up from the turtle doves and pigeons, all the way up to the oxen and everything in between rams, lambs, uh, all the different ones that were offered to God. We find all of those being offered to him. And again, they represent some aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the purpose of the law was to teach Israel they were a sinner, need a savior. That's all they needed to take to the world. And so they did. They didn't take to take all the law to the world. They didn't take all the sacrifices to the world. No, what they needed to take to the world was you're a sinner, you need a savior. And we find that that's the message that was given. What was the purpose of Israel? Well, the purpose of Israel was to take the gospel into all the world. Isaiah 52 verse seven lines up with us exactly. And that's the uh, taking of the gospel to the world. Isaiah 52 seven, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. Glad tidings is a message of the good news. Glad tidings is Hebrew for the New Testament Greek, and that is the gospel. So what they were to take to the world? The gospel. We found this out in chapter four of Hebrews, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So them back there was the wilderness generation where it was given. And so they had, uh, again, the gospel presented to them. And so the plan of faith was given to them. And so unto them was the gospel preached as well as unto us. And it's interesting in Isaiah 52, seven, where that verse is quoted, the next chapter is the work of Jesus on the cross. And that is the redemption for all mankind. Jesus has always been the means of salvation, whether they called him Jehovah, or whether we call him Jesus, he is the only means of salvation. And we find that true uh, in the Old Testament. We find that God portrayed that throughout the Old Testament prophets, especially Job is one that immensely saw the fact there was one mediator between God and man. He said, I know my redeemer lives and I will one day stand on the earth. He referred to him in the singular. He didn't say my redeemers, but my redeemer. And so Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation for all mankind, has always been. So what we're amplifying today is those two sections of the law itself, the law and the sacrifices, all contained in the giving of it. Neither one could save. One points out your problem, the other points out the answer. But again, they cannot save, the law cannot save. And let's start today in Romans chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. While you're finding that, thanks again to those of you watching for the first time. Blessed to have you here today. And uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. I just guarantee you one thing is when you got, when you get turn this program off at the end of it, you'll be a little smarter than when you first started. I'm not here to give you all the smarts. Get all these other ones together and you can get a lot of smarts, but I'm giving you smarts from uh, the calling that God has placed on my life, and that is a pastor and a teacher. And so again, we're going to the Word of God today. For those of you that have been watching for some time, thanks a lot. We're glad to have you here. And those of you who have become partners. Thank you so much because you know what? You not only uh, love this broadcast, you want to get, see it given out to others. You'll be part of that. And so again, you help me with the finances, with prayers and all those other things. The rest of you receive the word of God. And I know you're blessed, cause you to grow up. But one day you get thankful toward those who helped you get there and you want to promote that message too. So thank you for those who are uh, uh, partners with me. And those of you who want to be partners with me, simply go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner. Romans chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 says, until the law 
Sin was in the world. Sin is in the singular in this verse of scripture, referring to the nature of sin, which was given to Adam from sin singular, which is the nature of sin in us, comes sins plural. In other words, my problem was not just adultery or this or that. No, no, it came from sin, which produced that. Another name for that is the nature of the flesh or just called the flesh in the New Testament. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Something has to point to that sin and show you what it is. And that's what the law did. The law did not show our redemption. The law showed us us as the problem. We need a savior. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned after the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. The issue under the law or grace is always been sin and the sins it produces. Under the law, man chooses to handle his own sins. Under grace, man lets God handle sins in his life for it to become a Christian from being a sinner, but also now that you're a believer, you also let the grace of God handle your sin. So the moment we're born again, then we do that by the grace of God. We accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. But then after we become born again, we still don't handle our own sins. Whenever we sin, we bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This verse simply says again that Adam sinned like no other person has ever sinned. We do not sin like Adam sinned. Why? And that's because Adam and Eve sinned and then became spiritually dead. We are born spiritually dead and so we sin. They sinned to become spiritually dead. We are born spiritually dead, therefore we commit sins. We commit sins because we're sinners. Adam became a sinner because he sinned. So we can't look at ourselves and say, where's the sinner because he sins? No, no, no. We're a sinner because Adam birthed us that way. Adam passed sin on to all men. Through Adam came death and sin. So Jesus gets us out of sin by accepting him as Lord and Savior. I like to look at it this way. Adam got us into sin because of a tree. Jesus gets us out of sin because of a tree. There was millions and millions of trees in the garden. God simply said this, Adam, there's millions of yes trees. There's one no tree. The millions of trees will, I mean, some of them are there just for beauty. Others are there for food, all different types of food. You can eat any of them, but don't eat the fruit of that one tree right there. So there's one no tree. And of course, guess where Lucifer, Satan pointed to was to that one tree. But Jesus says this today, there's millions of no trees in the world, but there's one yes tree. And the yes tree is the gospel. The yes tree is the cross of Jesus Christ. And we get born again by going to that tree. So the Lord simply says there's only one way of salvation. Every other tree, every other plan, every other religion, every type of religious leader ever born, every philosopher that thinks they found the way to eternal life, or just you thinking you can get yourself there, you're eating of all the millions and millions of no trees that are in the world. There's one yes tree. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. One lady told me that was arrogance one time. I said, no man, that's confidence. I said, if you were lost and couldn't find your way somewhere and you had five people around you and four of them pointed north, south, east, and west and said, go that way. And you're going, huh, you're so confused because nobody knows the way there. And the fifth guy says, listen, I live there. I go back and forth every day. Go down here two blocks, turn right, you'll find the road that gets you there. You, what would you say to him? You arrogant person, or would you say, thank you? 
And what we should be saying to Jesus is thank you for telling us all the wrong ways, but pointing to the right way and saving us in our life from searching and searching and searching. You have told me what the correct tree is. You have told me what the correct direction is. And no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. But after the fall, God dealt in grace with everyone, starting with Adam and Eve. He dealt with them in grace. Then Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was given a covenant of grace. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David. We could go down the list of the heroes of the Old Testament and in the midst before the law and during the law, they found Jesus Christ, Jehovah, as the Savior of their life and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Sin for the sinner and the saint was dealt for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is grace. Grace is received by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith in the Lord was accounted for righteousness in the Old Testament to Abraham. It was imputed to David. Also, these two are compared in chapter four of Romans, and it's given to us by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death was present before the law and even had a throne that it ruled from, but did not have dominion over those who were saved and then walked by grace. You know what we do? We get saved by grace and then we walk by grace even after that. After halftime, we'll come back and take up right here where we left off. I'll see you after the break. The awesome grace of God begins with salvation and carries us all the way through this life and into eternity. Because of the work of the cross, God's grace is absolutely free to all who will simply receive it. In this five-lesson teaching series, Pastor Bob Yandian highlights the foundational Bible truths concerning four specific types of grace that God has provided for us. The topic titles are Mephibosheth, Convicting Grace, Saving Grace, Living Grace, and dying grace. Understanding the nature of the grace of God in each of these areas of life will help you understand the nature of His character and His unconditional love for us. To order types of grace, go to bobyandian.com. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. When the law entered, sin and its consequences were revealed. Let's get back to a point. For a born-again saint, 
he's no longer under the dominion of sin until he starts to walk in sin, yields to sin. But when you walk daily in God's presence, in his grace, sin has no dominion over you. But for a Christian who sins, then sin does have dominion over him. Let's talk about that for just a moment. As a sinner, sin has dominion over you. But for a Christian who walks in sin, he is a carnal Christian. Sin might have dominion over him, but can't take him out of his uh, call to heaven. He will go. It simply strikes him in life and calls causes him to slow down. In other words, it just really throttles him back. We're told this in Romans chapter six and verse 14. And again, but the carnal Christian is really amplified in 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses 10 through 15. There we have it. Of course, the opening verses of, of 1 Corinthians 3, 2 strongly declare what a carnal Christian is. It's one who is born again, but is not living for the Lord, living by the flesh. The flesh stays in you and will till the day you die. It's called sin in the singular. It's found inside the members of your body. And the Bible talks about the body of sin and sin, which is in my members. But it still comes back to it. The born again part of you, which is your spirit, means you're going to heaven. But are you listening to the flesh? Or are you listening to the Holy Spirit? If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, then you are a spiritual Christian. If you're listening to your flesh, then you are a carnal Christian. And God wants us not only to be born again by simple faith in God's grace, he also wants us to walk daily by faith in the grace that he's given past that. In other words, once we get born again, there is more grace. And again, that's wonderful found in the word of God too, describing that for us. So when the law entered into this earth, the purpose of it was not to save. People tried to use it to get saved, but again, they couldn't do that. No one can attain to the law. No one. So what the law did, it revealed sin and it revealed the consequences of sin. Look at Romans chapter three and verse 20. Here we have it amplified. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. There it is right there. The purpose of the law was to reveal sin in us. That's the nature of sin and its production, which are sins. The sin nature and sins were present, but man didn't know it. Up until the time of the law, the purpose of the law was not to save, but to really point to the problem and then point to the answer. The purpose of the law again was to point to Jesus Christ. Grace was given to man to deal with sins, even without man's knowledge of sin. So man finally saw sin clearly at the giving of the law. And in the wilderness, the people thought they could defeat sin and earn God's favor. So that's why they asked for the law. Romans 5.20 says this, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I love this verse of scripture. In fact, the purpose of the scripture is it's taken from the Greek theater. And what it's declaring here was in the time of the Greek theater, uh, there was someone who came in and this uh, person that came in was a bit actor. And here it declared more of the law entered. And that's what this verse is referring to. The law was a bit actor. It just had a temporary purpose. And the purpose was on the stage, we had the good guy and the bad guy. We had the villain and we had the hero, but you didn't know the villain was a villain. All right, he seemed like the good guy, you know, and all the time he was plotting behind the scenes. Judas would have been one of these. But what happened was you're in the audience, you don't know this, until a bit actor comes in from the side and points to the actor that is the problem. This guy is the criminal. This guy is the bad guy. This guy is the good guy. And that's the purpose of the law. This guy that entered only did one thing. He exposed the hero and he exposed the villain. What did the law do? It walked on the stage and exposed the villain 
villain and expose the hero. The villain was us. The villain was the sin in us. And we were under its dominion and didn't know it. And through arrogance, the Jews said, we can keep God's law. Go ahead and give it to us. So God gave it. And it was a bit actor. In fact, it's told us in the book of Galatians, it was given until the seed should come. It was just temporary, walked on stage for a little while. And the law walked on stage as a temporary bit actor to point to the hero and say, here's your hero and there's your villain. And all of a sudden he just exposed it. And so then he stepped off the stage and he stepped off the stage when Jesus Christ entered because the purpose of the law was to point to the hero, that's Jesus Christ, and point to the villain. That was the nature of sin in us that was given to us from Adam. Still remains after we are born again, but the new nature on the inside is greater than the nature we carry. And that's why we should listen to the Holy Spirit, obey the word of God, and that way we will not walk under the power of sin. So Romans 5.20 says again, moreover, the law entered stepped up on the stage. Why? So the offense might abound. The offense was the nature of the flesh and sin found in us. The law entered so that sin might abound and the, the exposed the problem. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now he points to the hero. The hero is grace because why? Grace has always been God's answer. During the time of the law, the people were saying, no, 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 no. We don't want that grace stuff. Just well, we can do it ourselves. And Romans 7, 7 says this, I would not have known sin except through the law. The entrance of the law magnified the problem not the answer. It was the sacrifices that showed the answer again. The written law exposed the problem, the nature of sin, but the sacrifices again showed the answer. And that was the work of Jesus Christ pointing them back again to grace. Think about it this way. Whenever the law came, it was a temporary actor. In other words, it was added until the seed should come. The seed was the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was added in the time of Adam and went all the way till the time when Jesus went to the cross. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, he was referring to the law. He was referring to the prophecies of the Old Testament and the keeping of the law. And Jesus did it perfectly. So what happened was the purpose of the law it was really to point back to grace. That's why it was given. So the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And Paul said that the purpose of the law was so we could come back to Christ. We were following him. And all of a sudden as a nation, we got taken off on the side and we got built up in arrogance. And so the Lord had to come and give the law. And the law was given until the time Jesus came and never did it save, never did it bring righteousness. It could not do that. Its whole purpose was to simply point to the hero and point to the villain. And thank God, he exposed it so that we could turn to Jesus because the hero was not us. See, under legalism, under law, you think you're the answer. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is the answer. Oh, I can keep God's law. No, you can't. If you could keep God's law and go to heaven, why in the world did Jesus have to come? He had to come and die because you couldn't do it yourself. Moses' law had an entrance, Romans 5.20, so it must have an exit Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. Let's find out when the exit was. Galatians 3.19 says this, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come. And in my translation, that seed has a capital S on it because you and I, even though we are seeds of Abraham and seeds of the Lord Jesus Christ, we aren't meriting a capital S. Only Jesus gets a capital S. In, in it says again, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgression until the seed should come. Notice it was a temporary addition. What was the purpose of it? 
The law was added because of transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was given by angels in the hand of a mediator. The law was given under a mediator and that mediator was angels and that mediator was also Moses. But our mediator is the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what's that verse say? Galatians 3, 19. What was the purpose of the law? Why was it even given? It was added because man was sinning and it was added until the seed should come. So it was a temporary covenant and it was set beside a permanent covenant and the temporary covenant was only to point back to the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant was offered to Abraham and Jesus came and fulfilled every part of that, fulfilled all also the law. But Jesus Christ came, and when Jesus Christ came and the law was over, the whole purpose of the law was during that whole time was it kept pointing back to grace, pointing back to grace. People might turn to the law to try to get saved. The law says, uh-uh, not my responsibility. I can't do that. There's your answer. There's your answer. I like to think of it this way. It's like leaving the city of Tulsa. You might find a, a, a road sign out there, and it'll say, you know, uh, Sepulpa, 19 miles. And so you look at it, but you can't run over to the sign and hug it and say, I'm in Sepulpa. That's what the law was. The law was a sign pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they ran and embraced the sign and said, we have found salvation. No, the purpose of the law was point to point to Jesus Christ, to point to him as the answer and to point to yourself as the problem. But you cannot save yourself. You're the problem. The law cannot save you. It was never designed to, but the law can also point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus is found in every aspect of of the law. It's found in the uh, all the uh, things that were given to God at that time, you know, the meat offering and the grain offering. It was found in the incense, the salt. It was found every law pointed to Jesus Christ. Every sacrifice pointed to Jesus Christ. The law simply says you can't do it, but he can. He's perfect. And on the other hand, the reason why you can't do it is because you have fallen. But if you'll come over and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, he will become your strength. And so we see all the aspects of Jesus Christ. The law was an addition not a replacement of grace. I'm gonna say that again. The law was an addition, not a replacement of grace. The promise was made to Abraham and his seed, Jesus Christ, who was Christ. The Abrahamic covenant was drawn up between Abraham and Jesus Christ. And since mankind was not there, Abraham was there uh, on that day, receiving it for all mankind. And he and Jesus Christ drew up the covenant. The law was not there. In fact, Abraham was dead long before the law was ever given, and Abraham was justified by simple faith. How were they saved before the law? Faith. How were they saved during the law? Faith. How are we saved afterwards? By faith where they had the law pointing to man and saying, you're the problem and Jesus is the answer. So we have the Bible, the word of God. And the Bible is often called the law of God. And the reason why is the law, the Bible points to us and says, you're the problem. Points to Jesus and said, that's the answer. And so the whole aspect, again, of speaking to people about Jesus, witnessing for him is the fact is you're born in this condition. You need a savior. You are the problem. Jesus is the answer. On the cross, the Abrahamic covenant was ratified and the law came to an end. Galatians chapter three and verse 16 says this, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He didn't say as to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed, which is Christ. If the law came and was the means of salvation and given to Israel, then you'd have to be a 
you to keep it. But I want you to notice what this verse says. It didn't say as of to seeds, as of many, that's the Jewish race, but as of one to your seed, Jesus Christ. What do I have to become? I don't become a physical Jew. I become a spiritual Jew in essence. I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I become part of that great big mixed multitude of which the Lord spoke to Abraham about. In you shall all nations be blessed and any nation can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The whole purpose of the law, you're the problem. He's the answer. See you tomorrow. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're going to be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor. I trust you are too. And you will want to get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.